You're listening to the McKinsey Podcast, featuring wide-ranging conversations on the issues that matter in business and management. We're launching a new season of the McKinsey Podcast starting this fall with fresh content. Between now and then, we're rebroadcasting popular episodes from different McKinsey podcasts. So for today, you'll hear about how companies are grappling with how to make sustainability-focused choices from the McKinsey on Consumer and Retail podcast. You're listening to the McKinsey on Consumer and Retail podcast, featuring wide-ranging conversations on the topics that matter most in the consumer and retail industries. I'm your host, Monica Toriello. The word sustainability can mean many different things. It's an umbrella term for a wide range of issues, climate change, social justice, pollution in its many forms, fair pay, organic ingredients. All of these are aspects of sustainability. And in the retail and consumer goods industry, there are a couple of refrains that you often hear about sustainability, and there's a bit of tension between them. So one thing you hear a lot is that sustainability is becoming much more important to all stakeholders consumers, regulators, companies. But another refrain is that people are not that willing to pay for sustainable products and services. So there's this attitude behavior gap. What they say they're willing to do is pretty different from what they're actually willing to do. And to help us unpack some of these seeming contradictions and to give us a fact-based picture of the state of sustainability in the retail and consumer sector, we have with us today two people who spend a lot of their time on these issues. So let me briefly introduce each of them. Clarisse Magnat is a senior partner in McKinsey's Paris office. She leads McKinsey's work in the consumer sector in Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. Thank you for talking to us today, Clarisse. Very happy to be with you. And Sebastian Gatzer is a McKinsey partner based in Cologne, Germany. Sebastian works with leading consumer goods manufacturers and retailers, advising them on strategic and operational issues and helping them to reach their sustainability goals. Glad to have you with us, Sebastian. Thank you, Monica. So I'd like to start by having you situate us as to how important sustainability actually is in the consumer sector these days. Because, you know, I've heard both viewpoints. Some are saying sustainability is becoming more important and that the pandemic has made people even more concerned about sustainability. But I've also heard the opposite, right? That there was a lot of talk about sustainability, but now it's kind of died down and sustainability is taking a back seat to other issues. What's your perspective? Our perspective, Monica, is that the topic has never been as acute as it is right now. And it's a bit counterintuitive because we uh, did not expect the COVID to actually strengthen these trends among consumers. And what we see in our consumer research that we have conducted across more than 27 countries is that the importance of sustainability, environment, ESG, safety, naturality, local, ethical, etc., is really reinforced. And not only in Europe, uh, we also see this in China and, of course, in North America and across the world. Um, we see a willingness to pay more that is at least declared to be rising. Uh, across those geographies. So I would say the topic is acute um, and structurally, we see also the environmental regulation rising. Just to give you an example of plastics, uh, we had more than 70 countries who have um, put some 
legislation in motion. During the pandemic, a lot of executives and chief sustainability officers asked us, is this now the end of the sustainability trend? Is hygiene, product safety, product availability, are these now the top priorities for, for retail and for, for groceries in particular? And does it wipe away the topic of sustainability? And actually the clear answer is no, it won't. And uh, the opposite is the case. We see that the pandemic is even creating a kind of momentum. To give you an example, we asked grocery shoppers all over Europe about their willingness to pay more for sustainable products. And during the pandemic, the, the willingness, the, num the number of people saying, I am willing to pay more, was on an all-time high. We haven't seen this high numbers before. And it's across countries. It's not a... It's not a single country topic, it's across countries. And we also asked the same shoppers about the outlook. And one out of four consumer is telling us they are planning to even more focus on environmental issues when shopping, paying more attention to social aspects in their shopping behavior. The consumer willingness to move towards sustainable product is definitely the strongest force at work. And that's going to be the driver of change. But of course, we, we also need to see that there are regulatory aspects now at place and accelerating a lot. To give you just one figure, 65% of global GDP is now under a 2050 net zero commitment. 65% of the world economy is committed to become carbon neutral. That is changing the business landscape completely. So we feel quite comfortable that the trend is not only there to stay, it's going to fundamentally change the way we think about consumption. And piling on what, what, what Sebastian was saying, we, we see that across product categories, okay, which is something we've looked into, right? Uh, we see it, of course, in food, and the number one category is vegetables, right? Um, and, and different types of fresh uh, products, fruits, meat, fish, uh, dairy products, and so on. So it's consistent, uh, I would say, across categories, even though it does differ a little bit. What is really interesting as well is that we see that uh, the advocates are a little bit uh, geared towards women, uh, Gen Z, uh, and of course, people with higher incomes. But actually, when we look at the different uh, income levels, it is a trend that is confirmed uh, across socio-demographic um, backgrounds, but obviously skewed a little bit towards the higher income uh, people. Yeah, and you alluded to the generational component to all this, right? Much has been written and said about the younger demographic groups, in particular Gen Z, being very conscious about sustainability when it comes to their buying decisions. And it sounds like your research supports that. I'm wondering, are there specific product categories or specific attributes or specific aspects of sustainability that seem to matter most to Gen Z and then also that matter most to consumers, regardless of demographic? Yes, that's definitely the case, Monica. The importance of sustainability is rising across demographic, across shopper groups. And of course, we have raised the question, is it more important for grocery shoppers than it is for discount shoppers? Um, but the truth is, it's across the board becoming a more important issue. However, of course, we see these kind of differences. And Clarice already mentioned fresh. 
we see that for the fresh categories, vegetables and, and fruits, it's a number one priority for a lot of consumers. But especially if you dig dive into those shopper groups with the highest income, for them, meat and fish is even the top category where they spend a lot of attention on making sustainable choices. There are other factors where you can see differences. For example, the younger generation focuses a little bit more on um, sustainability when they buy snacks. And going a little bit away from the food category, in non-food, we see that women, for example, focus a lot on sustainability when it comes to cosmetics and skincare. We are talking about different attributes of sustainability here, be it microplastics, be it vegan products. So overall, it's a trend that doesn't stop at different shopper groups. But yes, we see differences across demographics and we see that different attributes um, matter for each category. And it's a wide topic. It's not simply climate. It's social aspects as well as um, um, aspects on the way you're driving your business that matter for the, for the consumers. Let me give you an example from the grocery industry. I recently talked to the CEO of Kesco, a Nordic um, a retail chain here in Europe. And they are now the number one solar energy producer in the whole country. And they have really, really worked a lot on making sustainability not a claim, not only a commitment, but rather part of the company DNA and injecting it in every part of their organization. But what I find very interesting was a particular example he gave me on an, on an app that consumers and shoppers can now download. And it allows you to track your carbon footprint. You can, whenever you are shopping at Kesco, you will see exactly what your footprint was, what your impact was on the, on the environment based on your individual basket. And like we have been counting calories in the past, people are counting carbon emission now. And I think this kind of customer awareness transparency is first of all a very good development for us as a society and secondly it's also increasing loyalty and uh, customer satisfaction for the particular business. Monica, I think there is uh, nevertheless a complication which is that there is a lack of definition for sustainable products and it makes it really difficult to engage consumers. You know how many eco and sustainable labels um, that exist today. We have more than 463 uh, across 199 countries and 25 sectors. So it is frankly a very complex uh, landscape. And if it takes a PhD to understand <laughs> uh, how the product has been uh, produced, uh, obviously it's not very, very practical. So I think we have many uh, challenges in regards to labeling and the principles of local, organic, waste reduction, seasonal, and so on and so forth. There is no global standardized labeling, and, and that's why we see these wide differences. Um, and this is sometimes leading to some skepticism. Um, and we are also asking consumers about what they think uh, is a fair representation of how a product has been produced, food or non-food. And we see some skepticism on, is it truly locally grown? 
Is it sustainably sourced? Is it non-GMO? Is it organic? Is it recycled or recyclable? Is it really a minimal packaging? So I think we have exactly what Sebastian was describing, a big demand for such products. And at the same time, from a offering standpoint, quite a lot of confusion. Yeah, and I want to pick up on that challenge a little bit later on. Uh, earlier, I mentioned the attitude behavior gap, which I imagine, you know, makes CEOs think, okay, yes, sustainability to some extent is going to become table stakes, but our profits, at least in the short term, are really going to take a hit. What do you say to the CEO who believes that sustainability and profitability are somewhat incompatible? <laughs> Monica, that's actually a discussion we are having quite often, and it's super fair to ask uh, for the return on investment and the, the business cases behind um, different levers and different activities. But the overall theme is that sustainability and improving company performance actually go hand in hand. Of course, sustainability doesn't come for free, but we overall see that it's also economically paying, paying off. And let me just give you three, three facts to make this a little bit more tangible. So sustainable products have been a growth driver in the past. So across consumer categories, those marketed as sustainable have been growing five to six times faster than the average market. Also, what we see as a second fact is that sustainable products come at a high price premium. Consumers are willing to pay a little bit or even much more if they know that those products have been sustainably sourced and uh, produced sustainable. But thirdly, and that is one of the most interesting aspects for me, it's an aspect that we are heavily discussing with many of our clients, is the opportunity that comes with it when we are talking about new business building, green business building. And I'm working closely with startups and we are supporting an accelerator. It's amazing how many young startups we are seeing every month around the topic of sustainability within consumer. But it's not only those new, new kids on the block, the, the new millennials around the topic. It's also the established companies who can drive business and innovate based on uh, the topic of sustainability. We, we've seen, you know, if you take the space of plant-based, they've been very aggressive in their marketing uh, around the neutrality, the carbon neutrality of, of their products. Um, and it really resonates with consumers um, and, and they are really anchoring uh, their marketing, their message to the consumers around this value proposition. But, you know, we also have companies, even in the meat industry, embracing the uh, alternative protein uh, trend and actually diversifying their portfolio and, and offering ready-to-cook uh, solutions for protein. So I think this is a really interesting because you see both startups, but also large incumbents embracing those trends. We've done uh, actually uh, some analysis about the winners on sustainability, meaning the companies which managed to extract value out of sustainability. Because to be fair, it is a journey uh, and it's not yet uh, uh, it's not easy, I would say. It's, it's not easy. Part of it is license to operate. Part of it is creating a competitive advantage. Uh, but the challenge is really monetizing 
the efforts that are being made across the different steps of the value chain, be it upstream or downstream. So this monetization issue is a challenge that we see across companies and to be frank, across sectors. But we've analyzed uh, specifically the winners and, and, and typically they have a very big ambition, obviously starting from the CEO. But what is interesting is they are spending less time on KPIs, reporting and so on. They do spend a little bit more time on training their people to understand what it means and they are focusing a little bit more on the what and the how versus the why. So I would say monetization for sure, training the, your internal people, engaging in bold transformations that are very focused on maybe two or three um, focus areas, as opposed to boiling the ocean on dozens of topics where it's difficult to differentiate and emerge. So there, I think a bit of some, there are a bit, um, I would say, key learnings to maximize uh, the opportunity of extracting value uh, out of a sustainability uh, journey. And so, you know, one challenge for incumbents that you've pointed to um, is that, you know, some of them have treated sustainability initiatives as sort of risk management or risk avoidance, whereas there are attacker brands that have that have sustainability at their core, right? It's part of their value proposition. Uh, and one of the messages to incumbent companies is that they need to become sustainability driven, right? They should prioritize sustainability in their strategy. So how exactly should they do that? right? It's a journey. What is your advice to the CEO of a grocery chain or the CEO of a CPG manufacturer who wants to prioritize sustainability? I would say number one, uh, take stock of where you are. You, you start with a materiality assessment. Second, uh, choose, pick and choose the few focus areas where you, go, you are going to make a big difference. And then engage your customer base uh, work with your suppliers, rethink your almost your business model, starting with you know your your um, sourcing, your logistics, and I think in our sector, in the consumer sector, you know both consumer goods company and and grocers have the ability to meet the rising expectations of their consumers while partnering uh, with players of the value chain. Um, so some players are upstream integrated. For instance, a grocer who has private label has the ability to impact the value chain from, I would say, from the field, right? Um, if you are not uh, integrated with your upstream value chain, you can work with your suppliers to define the specs that you want to put them on a journey that uh, uh, allows you to improve your scope-free emissions, I would say while also creating a differentiation. So I would say there's a lot of the solution, I think, is going to be also from collaborating with both customers and suppliers uh, to find solutions that are systemic, uh, scalable, and ultimately impactful. Sustainability is indeed a journey, and it's one that McKinsey will continue to highlight and prioritize. So thank you, Clarice and Sebastian, for your very important work on this topic and for spending time with us today. To our listeners, to read more on this critical topic, please see our Sustainability Insights on McKinsey.com.